my physio in the UK said, don't even go to lectures with a bottle of water. If you want water, carry an empty bottle. You fill it at university. You drink it at university. And then you put the empty bottle back in your bag. So I went to lectures with a piece of paper and a pencil, literally. This is the Adventure Sports Podcast, where we talk to athletes, adventurers, and business owners from around the world of adventure sports. Whether you're climbing Mount Everest, starting a bike shop, or getting up off your couch to take your kids hiking for the first time, we want you to have the motivation and inspiration you need to chase that next adventure. The Adventure Sports Podcast is brought to you by Camp Crate, the leaders in fully planned self-guided backpacking adventures, as well as backpacking gear rental. You can check them out at campcrate.net. There is so much about our futures that we are not in control of, good and bad. And the only thing we really, really have control over, and even then it's hard, (laughs) is our attitudes. Life happens. As my dad taught me, you know, you got to stop looking at these problems you have as diversions from life and actually as life itself. And the way you handle it is going to build your character or tear it down if you're not handling it well. And so today's episode is with Astrid Southam. She is a student in Oxford, and she had an incredibly unpredictable, unexpected uh, injury that just kind of happened one day. And then from that day forward, her life is different. And you're going to hear from her how, how to handle that and how she handled it. Because in my opinion, she handled it incredibly well and incredibly maturely and has a very unique and very positive outlook about it now. And she was only 19 when her spine collapsed. So, you know, what? you're at the beginning of, of I wasn't even doing adventure sports at that time. I was just playing basketball, doing my thing. It was It would be another year before I would go on my first trip and my life would be changed forever. I can't imagine, you know, what I would have missed out on if that would have happened to me, but she has been able to turn this into something that is as 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 much as the injury has been unexpected, so have all the joys and, and trials and things she's fallen in love with since. It's an incredible episode, and and if you're gone through an injury, man, this is this one's good. This one's going to be great for you. If you haven't, it is uh, it, you're going to at some point. There's going to be a point. If you are an active person, if you are a fan of the show, chances are you're probably active or at least interested in being active and adventurous. And adventure, (laughs) by definition, is a bunch of crap you didn't plan on happening happening to you. That's what an adventure is. Adventure is the unexpected essentially happening to you around every turn. But if you haven't suffered from an injury, chances are you will at some point. Especially, like I said, if you're a listener to the show. And... I just want you to know up front, if you don't get to the end of the show or, or, you know, if if this is all you listen to, you know, life is not over. Life is just different. You know, for for a lot of us, we have discovered our adventure sport on accident. Uh, It was a friend introduced us or we just ran across a YouTube video or something random and, and we found this passion through it. I mean, what are the chances that you live your life again, that you find that passion again? I mean, it might be okay, but chances are it's kind of small. So if your body and your life are going in a direction that are preventing you from doing something you think you're made to do or called to do or or that you love doing, chances are you've got a thousand passions in you that you've never even, you haven't been introduced to that adventure sport that you don't even know you love because you haven't had the right combination of experiences or circumstances fall into place to introduce you to it. Well, Astrid had that passion, which she thought was rowing, get crushed to where she can't do that anymore can't look forward to that anymore but she turned it and found this new passion in climbing that was even greater than rowing so i'm just really excited about this conversation i hope you enjoy it as much as i did and not only that but she went on to go on this sponsored climbing trip by this company in the ivory coast and they're making a movie about it and it was all because she had this injury and she's still incredibly young so who knows what this injury 
is going to lead to. It's kind of bizarre to think something so devastating can open so many doors of opportunity. Um, but with the right attitude, all of that is possible. Today's episode is brought to us by Peak Refuel Freeze-Dried Meals. Y'all have heard me talk about talk about them before. Absolutely incredible food. I'm actually outfit in a group right now with some more of it um, on the East Coast. They they had it last year on one of my trips, and heck, they loved it so much they want to do it again. So if you want to save 20% off your meals, use the code ASP20 at checkout at peakrefuel.com. And if you'd like to be a supporter of the show, thank you to our new supporters. We've got a couple new ones this weekend. So thank you. Go to patreon.com slash adventuresportspodcast, and let's keep getting these positive stories into as many years as possible. Share it. Tell your friends about it. Tell your, fa- tell your dog about it. I don't care. Tell everybody you know about this show, because we think it are, they're, they're, these are stories worth, worth hearing. Well, they're, they're not worth hearing if I can't actually speak, but, uh, <laughs> but they are definitely worth hearing. So, All right. Speaking of which, here is one of those stories. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. Uh, today we have Astrid Southam. Astrid, welcome to the show. Thanks. Yeah, so uh, she's here to talk about um, honestly something that a lot of us are probably going through in one form of an- or another uh, when our body can't do what we want it to do because of an injury. Um, but it's also probably applicable as well for people just circumstances if they can't. You know, maybe they have. They love to do something, but you maybe a parent needs a lot of care, or maybe they have just responsibility that's not allowing them to to get out there, or maybe it's like you know both you and I Astrid with it with an injury that's preventing them from doing what they love. Um, so yeah. I'm excited to get into it and, and ask you about it. But but first, uh, could you let us know where you're coming from today? Uh, today I'm coming from Oxford in the UK. Oh, cool! Is that now? Is that where you live and where you're from? Uh, that's not where I'm from, uh, but it is where I'm living now. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, I'm from Switzerland originally. Oh, awesome! Yeah, that's that's yeah. fantastic. Wow. So that's a. Oh, I've been to Oxford once. It was lovely. Um, oh. I'd love to go back. Yeah, it's a very small, um, but it, it's it is a lovely city. Yeah. So you know, you you were talking about um, before uh, ha- having an injury uh, pretty young, and then having to deal with kind of the aftermath of that. Uh, would you just like to get into it? Like, like, what kind of sport did you do? You love, and, and what happened at 19 years old? Um, so uh, before uh, I had this issue, um, I was a rower for nine years, and I used to ride horses. Also, I was a rider for about 13 years, and I did a bit of fencing as well. Um, generally, loved to the outdoors and all that. Um, and uh, when I went to university. Uh, in the UK, actually, but in in Nottingham, not not Oxford, I uh, I was a rower on the university team there, a single skull rower, and I'd had a few back problems in the past, minor stuff, um, nothing too serious, uh, and I'd always had the all clear from the physio. Uh, in Switzerland, you have you get lots of follow ups, and they take really good care of you, and so they don't just sort of send you into the nether. <laughs> Right. And, um, but so I, I always had the all clear from the, the physio, but this time I, I, I had a few warning things that happened while I was rowing. Like I'd get really bad days and I'd feel off balance. And so I quit rowing, rowing for a few months. And following that one evening, I, um, started getting a lower back pain and I'd had it before a few times. And normally I'd just take some paracetamol and go to bed and be fine the next morning. And this time around, it, I took some paracetamol, I went to bed, I took some more paracetamol, and the pain just kept going up and up and up. It got to the point where I couldn't bear it anymore. And I, uh, mm. I tried to go downstairs to get some ice, because I thought maybe icing my back would be a good idea. And I got down the first flight of stairs. I lived in a house with two floors, and I lived on the second floor. I got th- down the first flight of stairs, and on the, on the landing of the second flight, I just had like an out-of-body moment and sat down and just completely phased out because the pain was just too much. It, it literally, the, I remember the event from above myself in the, in the upper corner of the, of the, um, of the staircase, it just unimaginable pain. 
and um, my housemates found me and they called an ambulance. And well, at, f- at first, actually, we called like there's like a a non ambulance number in the UK. It's like nine 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 and one one one. And they uh, they advise you on what to do. And they were like, Yeah, no, you need an ambulance. And oh, <laughs> please don't my gosh. Please, please don't move <laughs> because I lived really close to the hospital. And I was like, Oh, well, I could get a taxi. And they're like, No, just don't <laughs> don't move. <laughs> After a lot of painkillers and some time in the hospital, a few hours, they were like, listen, you're you're good to go home now with a prescription for um, diazepam, but you need to have an MRI right away, like right away. And uh, they, the doctor I saw that night uh, in a said he thought I herniated a disc. And um, mm. I uh, ended up going home, actually, back to Switzerland. And there we did two MRIs. And they found that uh, the two last discs in my spine had split open completely. And a herniation is when the disc splits open and the center, which is compressible, escapes. And it causes a kind of protrusion that impinges on the nerves. And that's why it hurts. What Do you know what caused it? No. So that's the thing that really baffled the pain specialist and the um, sports uh, doctor I saw is that normally for someone my age at the time, so 19, uh, you, you have to have been hit by a truck or something. But You don't remember being hit by a truck or anything, right? I think I would remember that. <laughs> um, and I had no accident at any point. It wow. just seems that what, what they hypothesized was that the quality of the discs to start with was very poor. Mm. They just through wear and tear, unbeknownst to me, just split open over time, like an onion. And uh, I caught it. Basically, the inflammation became so great that it impinged the the nerves, the sciatic nerves. And um, I had it so it was down the legs and around the waist. And it is exactly the same pain as if you herniate. But uh, in my case, it was it was just extreme inflammation. And so we caught the discs literally probably days before they would herniate. Permanent damage was done. So on the plus side, you could discs the cartilage that forms the disc can fix itself. So they said, well, you you can recover from this injury, um, but it's going to take a really long time. And there are three different options basically in today's world in sort of medicine for that type of problem. And uh, the first and the obviously the, the worst one is, is surgery. And I was told by absolutely everyone, don't do surgery. You're 19 definitely, definitely don't do surgery. The other um, solution is um, uh, cortisone injections and uh, silicone injections. And what they do is they inject silicone into the disc so it freezes it. And then they inject um, cortisone into your your spine to to neutralize the pain. Because when your nerves are being impinged like that, you're teaching your nervous system to be in pain, basically. And you're teaching that's that's the baseline. That's what's normal. And so, the, the actually, the biggest danger of a spinal injury is is permanent pain, permanently damaging the nervous system. And so, they they were very keen to act on that. But because of nineteen, they didn't want to do the injections. So, what'd you do? Well, they said we're going to try the third option, which is physiotherapy. And uh, they gave me a, a sort of a three month trial period to see how I would respond to physio. And if the pain levels didn't go down in that time, then we would do the injections. But the at the time, it, like looking back on it and me talking about the injections sounds like the obvious solution because it just gets rid of the problem of pain and it gets rid of the, the danger of herniation right away. But the thing is that cortisone's really not good for you. you the, basically, cortisone will affect your bone density oh, on the long term. So that's not ideal. And I would see those effects coming in like around 40, 50 years old because I was 19. And so the they were very reluctant to do that. And I, at the time, I was in so much pain. I was just like, I don't want needles anywhere near my back. Thank you very much. Right. <laughs> I'm not usually squeamish about these things, but please no. Um, and it's five injections of, of uh, cortisone and three of silicon. So it's it's not nothing. So um, we decided to go with physio and lots and lots of painkillers. <laughs> and um, so that's, uh, I went back to university after two weeks and then continued my studies just on a heck of a lot of painkillers. And I actually have absolutely no memory of March and April 2014. Nothing. 
It's all gone. I have absolutely no idea what happened during those few months. Why is that? Just just the pain or, or... No, the painkillers. Oh, the painkillers. Holy cow. Yeah. It, there's an adaptation period where your body sort of gets used to the doses that they were giving me were, and they were very high. And, um, well, that resulted in me not having it like any long-term memory of that time. I just, I can't remember that time. Um, but I was really well surrounded and my friends were amazing and helped me. They, they, because I couldn't carry anything. My physio, uh, in the UK said, I don't even go to lectures with a bottle of water. If you oh, want okay. water, you carry an empty bottle of like a plastic bottle. You fill it at university, you drink it at university, and then you put the empty bottle back in your bag. Um, so I went to lectures with a piece of paper and a pencil, literally. Um, <laughs> so yeah, obviously painkillers, high doses of morphine are not ideal for studying. And I did fail one of my exams. Um, but fortunately, um, they let me sit it again in the summer when I was, when I'd quit. Yeah, that was an interesting few months. Wow. The, the physiotherapy was uh, obviously the, the hardest bit besides just dealing with the pain. I mean, I'm, I won't like go into the details because it's really boring, but it, I mean, I literally, I started, I was too weak for the, the, the swimming pool. They didn't want to put me in water because when you're in water, you're suspended. And so you can injure yourself further by pulling a muscle because if your muscles haven't been in any way atrophied, you can really, you can do further damage. Anyway, they put me on a stationary bike. And I was allowed to do five minutes per day with no resistance. And then I got to stretch for 20 minutes. And there were three kinds of stretches I could do. Um, and it was... <laughs> so you got really good at those three stretches. Oh, my goodness. Um, and I, I had no mobility. I could hardly turn my sort of from left to right. And I couldn't bend forward at all. I have no mobility whatsoever. I was extremely stiff and... Um, because of the painkillers and the side effects, I lost a lot of weight really quickly. And I went from being sort of a, a competitive rower to uh, basically a stick figure because I, I couldn't eat. I, the painkillers made me really sick. It was just not pleasant at all. And then the other sort of thing I was looking at was that when they when I started the physio, my physiotherapist, who's an amazing, amazing woman, uh, said, listen, like, we'll, we'll try and get you back as much as possible. But you got to realize that it's going to take like four or five years and you might never be pain free and you probably will never be at 100 percent again. And so at the time, again, I was really sedated. So I don't think it had the impact on me that it would have had on a sort of fully present. But uh, yeah, it was not like the, the prettiest picture in the world. I guess what I wanted to share with people is that I had a really negative prognosis. And I mean, I wasn't going to die. And I probably wasn't going to end up in a wheelchair if everything went well. But it was just not great news for a 19-year-old to hear. Yeah. So, so what, what was your mindset during that time? It was a mixture of like lots of different feelings. Uh, part of me was just really clinical and I just got to get out of here. I've got to get out of this situation and I just have to do whatever is necessary to get out of here because the, the pain was just, pain is a really good incentive to, to get better. <laughs> it sucks so much. Wow. Um, and um, I, I just was really it wasn't even determination or motivation. It was just, there was no question in my mind. The other, the sort of the flip side of that was uh, a lot of rage against the situation. Oh, yeah. It seems so unfair. I mean, just totally unfair. <laughs> yeah. It was just like so much. It was like pure rage, more than anger at just the whole situation and the, everything the the i literally i felt like throwing furniture around at times well that would that would hurt your back <laughs> yeah I, I could i could barely pick up like a glass of water so well you you could throw an empty water bottle around yeah that's true <laughs> that actually um but it was just really frustrating and i had my hobbies taken away from me and it was made very clear by my doctors that i probably would never be able to to practice those hobbies again. What were they? Uh, rowing, riding, any sport really involving running uh, mm. or any impact sport. And my physio was like, just running is literally the worst thing you could do right now besides jumping off a tall building. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
it's it's literally the worst thing so uh that that was and I really enjoyed running and I just it was very frustrating and to a certain degree the painkillers and the the doses I was on helped mitigate that frustration but it meant that I also did remain really really driven towards my recovery and um I would um, like my motivation because all I got to do was this in terms of like besides studying was um of my five minutes on the on the stationary bike and my stretching and also oh uh, in the gym in the in the university gym they would they would always have keeping up with the kardashians on in front <laughs> of the stationary bikes it's just like why <laughs> why am i why am i here it's pure american inspirational television right there it was not what i needed during <laughs> <laughs> i don't think it's ever been what anyone needed <laughs> But uh, I would motivate myself by sort of being able to eke my fingers down my legs a little bit further when I was stretching. So, you know, I had to do one of those sort of just like when you're sitting on the ground with your legs out straight and you sort of lean forward, except I couldn't lean really. So I would just sort of have my hands down on my shins and sort of inch my fingers forward just a millimeter and that would that would be excruciating. That would be the, like the biggest stretching exercise known to human humanity. Um, but that's how I'd motivate myself is by like knowing that it was a tiny bit more than before. <laughs> and gradually over over time and months, it it turned into ten minutes on the bike and then fifteen and adding a bit more resistance. And my uh, with my physio, we sort of um, determined a pain scale where I would rank my pain from zero to ten. And that would allow me to assess how much discomfort I was in, but also um, if I should be taking more or less painkillers. And it was and it was a strategy to wean me off opiates as quickly as possible. Were you having problems with those? Uh, no, but because I was on them for about six months and I was taking very high doses, they were uh, keen for me not to stay on them for too long one because i mean they're obviously very addictive but two they they do really ravage your body um Mm -hmm. they they do a lot of damage to your liver to your stomach lining and in my case i also suffered quite badly from side effects and nausea and just feeling awful and um yeah really not too pleasant the other the other thing is that it 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 is impossible to get a degree when you're taking uh (laughs) you know, 160 milligrams of codeine every day. It's just not possible. <laughs> I, I can only imagine, honestly. It really is not possible. I, I tried and I did fail one of my exams, um, although I was allowed to reset it. And so I was also very determined to come back for my second year of painkiller free to be able to, to continue my degree because otherwise it would just be, be too much of a suffer fest. When did it start to hit you? After months or maybe even a few years of like, wow, this is limiting or did, or did it get a lot better? Um, it was, uh, some of it was very reflective and I, I talked to, to my, my dad has three herniated discs. And so he really was really helpful to me mm. in terms of maintaining sort of a balanced point of view on the situation. And dad's a, dad's someone who is really outdoorsy and he sort of, loves sports and he has been really limited by his injury and has been for many years so so it was somewhat genetic then well what the it's not like a a genetic deformation or predisposition but what what the doctors reckoned is that i might have the the my spine might be shaped the same way as him and that might make us predisposed to that type of injury so there's no way of proving this obviously but um, that was the hypothesis because it's a bit of a weird coincidence. Uh, Dad's herniated L2, L3, L4, and I've really screwed up L5, S1, and L4, L5. So it's like the lower back. So probably the curvature of our spine or something. Yeah. Well, that's what they thought anyway. I'm sure you have tried some freeze-dried and dehydrated meals before, but I promise you, you've never had anything close to as good as Peak Refuel. Uh, They make freeze-dried meals, which is different than dehydrated. It takes way less water to cook. It cooks a lot faster, and they 
cook the meals before they put everything together. A lot of companies just throw all the ingredients in there, and when you cook it, it's the first time it's ever been cooked. With them, all the flavors have cooked together. It's super tasty, and you can get 20% off by going to peakrefuel.com and using the code at checkout, ASP20. Seriously, give them a shot for whatever adventures that you have planned this year. Yeah, my, my dad and I have the same problems with our knees, and uh, I often talk to him about it because it's just now starting to develop for me and limit me. And uh, and so I love hearing from people like you that, that are still doing awesome things and have adapted and not looking at it so negatively like, you know, you're, it's it's tempting to. And I'll talk yeah. to my dad. <laughs> Dads just have really good perspective. Uh, he'll be like, oh, son, just here's what you do. You just do this and this, and, and then you just kind of tough it out a little bit, and you'll have a great life. And I'm like, yeah, you, you've really been an awesome dad despite all those limitations. I never noticed as a kid, and so I don't mm-hmm. need to go into my parenthood with our young child and think that you know I'm going to be so limited to do so much when I, I didn't feel that way with my father who was in the same boat, you know? Mm, yeah, and I think it, for me there were like two or three people who are just – really important to me not that I don't think they were maybe really that aware of how important they were to me but in my mind they were just sort of beacons where I was like I can do it they can do it I can do it and dad was definitely one of those people and then I had a friend uh well I have a friend um and I met uh, at university um Alex and she um is a former Welsh team kayaker the competitive kayaker and she has had three different surgeries on her spine um they put plates in to support her back to avoid her um her spine collapsing wow. as like we're talking like really really major spinal surgery and just i mean i can't, i can't even imagine what it must be i mean i at least stayed off the operating table and she's been on it three times. And what the first night I was, well, the first day I got back home after being hospitalized for the first time, I was really zoned out. Uh, they gave me a lot of diazepam to get through the first few days. I, I couldn't move. And she came to see me um, in my uh, accommodation at university. And she brought me a, a lemon muffin. And uh, just that gesture, the lemon muffin, and it meant the world to me because I knew that she knew what I was going through and she'd experienced it. It's not just the physical pain, which is really there. There's no vocabulary for it. It was also the psychological fear of just my back is broken. That That's just so isolating and lonely. And she really was just in that moment, she was really instrumental to me sort of coming back and being like, it's okay. Alex has done it. She's gone. She's done it with much worse. And so it should be possible for me to come back. Wow. Um, yeah, that, that was really helpful. And then the third person was actually, um, about a year after. So my, my, my spine collapsed, my physiotherapist, I was talking to my physiotherapist about my struggles with sort of mobility and, um, and also stiffness. I was really stiff. I, I was having trouble um, sort of moving around just because I was so tight. And um, she th- said, well, why don't you try uh, Pilates? Uh, it's really good for strengthening your your deep core, which is something you need to do because your, your, your spine's never going to be good. So you need to strengthen the deep core muscles so they support your spine and do the job that your discs are not doing. And at, at first I was a bit skeptical. I, I didn't think much of yoga and all that kind of stuff. And I tried it once and I didn't really like it. And But I still went to those Pilates classes. And the teacher there, I, I went to speak to her at the beginning to explain that I was I was injured and I couldn't do everything she'd be teaching. And uh, she, uh, she was like, yeah, no problem at all. Um, I've actually had a back injury. And um, I'll, just, I'll just let you know what you what I should should you know, I'll just tell you and uh, and and that way you you don't have to worry about it at all and that was I was like oh wow okay this is great and a few weeks later I I told I told her a bit more about it I got to one of the lessons early and uh, uh, so we ended up talking and she told me that when she was fourteen she had a trampolining accident and uh, she was misdiagnosed at the, at A and E and they just sort of told her to go home and rest but she'd actually broken her spine and. Wow. Uh, 
she ended up not, I mean, she lost her, her legs. She ended up not being able to use her legs. And so I had to go through really intense rehabilitation. And when, when around, like when I met her, she was in her sixties and, uh, she, she, you could see from her gait that there was something off with her, her sort of motor functions, but she was still walking around and, you know, going about her life. And she said, thanks to Pilates, like, and the strengthening exercises and just the sort of the, the constant daily, uh, maintenance of these muscles, I was able to reeducate myself and, and learn how to walk again. And I mean, she said, I, the thing she said to me, which was just really so enlightening was she said, I wouldn't, if today I had the choice to go back to when I was 14 and change that moment where I broke my back, I wouldn't because this led to me having a particular life. And I think I've had a better life as a result of this injury. And at yeah. the time I was like, not in that mind space. I was just so, I wasn't resentful, but I was just like, if I could go back, I would definitely change it. But when she, she said that, I was like, I want to get to a place in my mind where I can say that to someone one day Yeah, and, and just be able to say, I wouldn't go back and change it because of X, Y, Z. So that was a really, a year into my recovery, that was a really important moment for me. And uh, she really, really helped. Yeah, it was it was a really important moment for me, and uh, she helped me in a way sort of accept that this is just the way the way things work now, and you gotta sort of accept that the injury or the aftermath is part of your life, and you can't just sweep it under the rug and pretend it's not there. It's definitely there, and you should respect it, but you shouldn't change your life in a in a in a negative way for it. I think you can definitely shape your life and have a just as positive a life as you would have if you weren't injured, mm-hmm. but you just have to do it differently. There's like a, it's a different way of doing things and, uh, and just accepting the situation whilst not submitting completely. Yeah. Um, I think there's like a, a balance there that you can strike and that's how you go forward in like a positive mind frame. And that's what I try to do. <laughs> That is, I mean, there's so much truth in all that. I, I I remember I was probably 19 or 20 in college and I was telling my dad all my problems or all the things that were on my mind. And he was just like, son, that just sounds like life to me. And uh, <laughs> he said, the moment you stop looking at all these things as, as diversions from the, your life and as, and start looking at them as actually your life itself, you'll stop saying, you'll stop trying to avoid all these quote problems and all these quote inconveniences and realize that, no, that's the path that you're on. That's the path you're supposed to take. And it was very transformative to me. And, you know, and, 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 and to say that, to go back to, to your inspiration, you know, I think back on anything, anything that's been like that in my life and in the life of a lot of people I know, it is hell to go through. Um, yeah. Like it is, it's just absolute hell and, and it's so unfair and, and you feel like, why me? But you do get to a point with each and every one of those situations with enough time, most people will get to the point where they say, I, I wouldn't change it. I, I, I know that my parents, they're, they had me, um, on accident and, uh, it was hell for them cause they were very young and, uh, it was just not the plan at all. They they were not even to, really together. And obviously, they're just like, we would never change starting a family when we did because looking forward, it just seems like, how the hell am I going to figure this out? But looking <laughs> back, it's like, man, I couldn't even imagine life without life without you now. And yeah. this, you know, I, I, can't, I don't know what that looks like for you. Um, but there's going to be just a way you look at life and a way that you treat every day that someone who hasn't gone through this just doesn't have the capacity to understand the capacity to appreciate the smallest of moments and the smallest of joys. Whereas someone who's gone through what you have and continues to will have that capacity and how much more enriching of a life that is of an entire lifetime of looking at life with every little beauty in mind rather than totally gazing over it all and not caring. Yeah, it, it's, I, I think it does, it, it really does have like positive, there's a, po- there's 
a positive impa- impact. You, I mean, the first and most obvious thing, and I've heard so many people say it, even with really sort of what would seem like minor injuries in comparison, like uh, broken ankles or sprains and stuff. But they're like, oh, I, you know, you really, you become so uh, complacent and you, you, you really take things for, for granted, like the, the ability to run or, or throw a ball. And that you become really, yeah, you just take it for granted. And then it goes away and then you really value it when it comes back. Um, and definitely um, I, you, you get that with at least for, for, for a spinal injury, the, like the first time you get to do something again, it's it's like you, you've just won the lottery <laughs> and somehow gotten yourself to this point where you're able to, to do something again. Um, and it can be really things that wouldn't occur to, to most people. Like most people would think of, oh, you know, going for a run or, I don't know, rowing again. But for me, for instance, traveling without without being on painkillers, like the first time I did that, that was really scary to start with, not being on painkillers while traveling. But it was just like, it was like, oh my goodness, like I can travel without being sedated because of pain. And uh, that was, yeah. And it just opens up again the possibility of going on a road trip or, you know, taking the train for a few hours to go see some friends instead of confined to a particular location yeah and obviously there's things like being able to do sports again and and for me I really early on decided to leave the past in the past and decided not to go chasing after rowing or riding rowing especially which is my my passion one because uh because I knew I would probably end up comparing myself to how it was before and if I I just didn't want to go back and try and take back something that was obviously over, even though I've had an amazing recovery. And I, I still really hope uh, that I can sort of you know, lower the pain levels I live with, which are already really low considering. And that I've, I, I mean, I have, I've been so fortunate in my recovery, but I don't want to go chasing after something that that's gone, that's just behind me now. And I, I, I would rather look for something new. The philosophy I had when I was reco- sort of starting to be recovered enough to think about maybe what I could do as a sport besides, you know, my daily physio, I kind of thought to myself, well, there's literally hundreds of sports out there. <laughs> yeah. Why would I obsess over something that I'm, I'm probably not going to be able to do anyway? And that I've been advised by doctors not to do. Uh, it's ridiculous. And so that's how I sort of started looking for, for new new things and uh, ended up uh, coming across uh, climbing. And that's how I started climbing. And now climbing is, is, uh, is okay for your, your back? Yeah. So cl- climbing actually uh, is wonderful. I, I sort of tried it on a, on a hunch. I thought, well, it's a n- no-impact sport in principle. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> in principle in principle and uh it's it's a sort of a full body sport and it it's also strategic there's a lot of thinking involved i thought maybe maybe it'll be suitable for me and mm-hmm. i tried it and i absolutely loved it and uh i discovered a, a completely new passion i was absolutely not a, aware of and and i um I, f- I felt even more strongly about climbing than i did about rowing i just love it so much really yeah, yeah, it really surprised me. That's really encouraging. Yeah, and th- that's the thing is that I I genuinely like climbing more than I I I liked rowing, and I loved rowing. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? It kind of forced you to discover this passion you didn't necessarily know you had. Yeah, and 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 uh, and I didn't even know it was like a thing really. I mean, I was sort of vaguely aware of it as, but it was really. I didn't really know anything about it. And, and so I, I started climbing and I actually, at the time I was doing a year abroad, I was living in Hong Kong and, um, there you need like a license to be able to, to climb with ropes. So you, to lead, you need a license and it cost it's quite expensive. And, um, so I didn't want to spend the money on the course. So I decided to go bouldering instead. And that's how I got into bouldering. Um, and what bouldering did as well was to give me back confidence in my body because even though I was sort of three years down the line from my back breaking, I still lived very much in fear and anything that jolted me or sort of put stress on my back would would 
sort of cripple me with fear. I was so afraid of getting uh, set back. I remember very vividly the first time I fell bouldering because I was adamant that I couldn't fall. I would down, down climb everything. I wouldn't try any dynamic moves, nothing. I, uh, I fell once, I slipped, and I just was absolutely bricking it when I hit the ground. And then I just sat up and I was like, well, actually, I'm fine. So wh- why is that okay for your back then? Well, the, the thing is that um, I, if you know how to fall, you, you're, not, you're not falling sort of, it's not a direct impact to the sort of center of your spine, if that makes any sense. Yes, like yeah. Falling sort of basically take a, a martial arts fall. And, and the other thing is that at that point, I'd been doing Pilates every day for a year. When I started Pilates, I quickly realized that um, whenever I did it, it made me feel less pain because my muscles were less tight. And so I got into the habit of doing it every day. And then I got into the habit of doing it every morning before starting my day. So I'd wake up early and do uh, 45 minutes of Pilates. And then I'd start my day. And uh, I've I've I still do that to, to this day. Wow! <laughs> um, it's it's warming up in the morning. That's it's exactly like warming up before playing a, a, like a game of football, except I warm up for the day, so I can sit in a chair without being in pain, and I can go about my life without being in too much pain. And also, what that's done is that it's built and maintained deep core muscles that support my spine. The other thing that it's done is it's really made me flexible. I used to be so stiff and uh, I, I never, never had any flexibility, especially not in my legs as a rower. Since, since starting that, like I end my session with stretches and uh, it's, it's uh, made me a lot more mobile, a lot more flexible. When I started climbing, I had already reached a really good baseline of flexibility and core strength. And that's basically what enabled me to uh, both to climb and also to stay fall without without endangering myself at all. And the thing with the the, um, the discs in my spine is that the cartilage does fix itself. And so once the the the, the cartilage is is um, sort of uh, has has sort of rebuilt itself, the disc in principle is intact, and there's no risk of herniation unless you split it again so it doesn't take away from the fact that the quality of the disc is terrible and there is always going to be a risk of there being another injury but it it does it does mean that i I could hit the ground and i would be completely fine because the, the initial damage is not there so what what climbing did was one show me that i i could take more punishment than i thought i could and be completely fine and that i could be a little bit bolder and, and keep going because I didn't cripple myself permanently by taking a two meter fall from a bouldering wall. And uh, it did take a long time for me to then be able to do dynamic moves and, and really climb harder. Uh, that, that took time because you have to just rebuild confidence. And um, although uh, self-confidence, like confidence in your body, confidence that you can, you're going to be okay. It's, it's really to rebuild it. It does come back. Fear of pain. That's something that I, I still struggle with less and less over the years. But I've had a couple of occasions where I've hurt myself and it, it's felt painful and uh, or it's triggered a, a sciatic sort of event. And that's that really cripples me with fear. It's like a, a kind of a panic of just frenzied thoughts and just hysteria. I get It's really weird because I don't get scared normally. But when something like that happens, it's like you can't control it. It just sort of completely comes you. And um, because there's this fear of being in pain again, but also of, of being back at square one. O- over time, I've managed to sort of mitigate that a bit more and have like rational thought patterns to try and not completely lose it. Just once I, I, I fell and I, I hurt myself and I was like, it's okay. Just become really good at pull-ups. I'm going to be the best person. I could just do tons of pull-ups um, and just tr- try and distract myself uh, from total sort of the well, what you can't do. Yeah, exactly. And um, and I do think about it sometimes. I'm like, what if what if I were set back uh, several years, or what if you know some freak accident, or I don't know what. But I think having gone through it once, you sort of retain that philosophy of just being like, you just get through it. 
Mm. You, it's not about motivating yourself. Someone asked me that once. I was I was doing core exercises at the climbing gym, and it was this guy, and he was he climbed really hard, and he was like, "Well, how do you motivate yourself to do all these like core exercises?" And I was like, "It's not motivation. It's I've got to do this to be able to walk around." And, Survival. Uh, yeah, and it's it's not motivation. There's no motivation. It's just I just do it, and um, I think that's probably the key to sort of long-term recovery is not needing to motivate yourself. It just becomes part of your life. That's your lifestyle. It's what you do. And I guess it's kind of like changing your diet. You can't just go on a diet. You gotta, you gotta change your diet. And that's, that's your diet now. Right. Um, and I, I don't know, maybe it's the same thing, uh, but it's more the mentality around it. You gotta have a, a positive but constructive mentality. Time for a quick message break. So, you know, this show is brought to you by Camp Crate. They specialize in self guided, pre planned, all inclusive backpacking adventures, as well as trip advice and as well as camping gear rental. So, if you're in need of any of that stuff, reach out to them at campcrate.net. Very helpful and very knowledgeable. It's a great way to try backpacking for the first time or to scroll through their list of itineraries if you need some ideas on where to go. They will literally send you all your gear, your food, permits, coffee even, in a box to your front door. Use it for your trip. When you're done, return it with the pre-printed included return label. It's that easy. It makes backpacking and getting into the backcountry very approachable, very simple. Give them a shot. Now back to the episode. Yeah, I, I you know I hear from a lot of people. And I think you're kind of alluding to this when when they have an injury, especially when it's not you know totally debilitating in the sense of like there's signs of it early on. Yours was very debilitating at first, but now thankfully you have some mobility and can do things. People say that that kind of whips you into shape to take care of yourself much more diligently than you would have before. Because before, you know, I'm a victim of this. <laughs> I just kind of relied on my youth to just get me through anything. I would just pound my body into the ground, not yeah. take care of it, not stretch, not take care of my diet or, or, or really pay attention to anything because my body just kept going. It just wouldn't stop. And then it now it does. And I'm like, wow, I, I really need to totally revamp my lifestyle, my diet, my practices, what I, how I manage my self-care every day. And honestly, I'm a lot better person and in a lot better health because of that now. You probably would have never been so diligent without something like this kind of looming over you to say, take care of yourself. Yeah, definitely not. I, I was terrible as well. I would I would do sort of sort of do stretches and sort yeah. of do strength and conditioning ish, but um, I was never very diligent about it. And like what you're saying about youth is so true. Um, and I I saw it also with my peers in sports, just people who pound themselves into the ground and without really realizing the the long term effects of what that is that's going to have. Yeah. Um, like you can't just constantly smash your knees or your back or your shoulders and expect to get get away scot free. Like that's definitely changed the way I think about it. And and it's like also when 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 I go climbing, for example, like I need twenty minutes to warm up. I can't just jump on the wall. My my body just doesn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so it it was a running joke always with my friends uh, that like. I, I mean, in 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 reality, my body's like sixty five. It's just, it's I'm not not really in my twenties. I'm just I'm just an old person masquerading, um, and uh, it just you just gotta have a, a like a healthy amount of respect for that. I think it, I don't think it it should stop anybody if if they're doing it in the right way and they're doing it safely. I definitely don't think people should just jump back in on the horse right after an injury and just be like, I'll be fine. But it's if you're following the steps of physiotherapy and recovery and you're able to do it, but you need to warm up for 20 minutes, then warm up for 20 minutes. That's just the way it is. And uh, I guess that's just it's it's sort of hard to accept maybe when you're younger. Yeah. Well, we're not patient when we're young, you know. Well, <laughs> yeah, definitely not. Yeah. And I think also when we're young and we haven't really experienced all of life where we also sort of 
neglect the effects of certain things and maybe we don't appreciate what it's like to not have that kind of dynamic ability to bounce back from anything. And um, uh, I was talking to a kid at the climbing wall. He must be like 16 or 17. And he was like, yeah, I really hurt my shoulder a year ago. And uh, it's it's just I've got so much physio to do yeah. and and all that. And I was like, kid, I know exactly what you've, you know, I know exactly what you mean, but you just have to keep at it. And you're, you're 17, you're going to be fine. Like it, it's, you're going to be fine. Just take care of it. Don't, don't ignore it. Right. <laughs> don't, yeah, don't, you can't ignore the fact that you've been injured and then just sort of try and push through it. That's how you do permanent damage. It's definitely not like the most enjoyable process in the world to have to do physio for weeks or months or years. But I mean, that's just the co- that's just the cost. That's just what it takes. It takes, you know, years to recover from a spinal injury, and that's just the way it works. Yeah. But um, if you want to recover, that's what you got to do. Yeah. So, so what what would you say? What would you say that you uh, the the um, state of your uh, back and spine is right now. Are are you happy with kind of what it allows you to do or is it improving or is it stable at least? Or what do you, how do it's, you describe it? It's definitely stable. I think, um, so structurally in it, it's, it is technically fixed and the pain that I feel is it's basically the nervous system being having been traumatized doesn't really know what it's like not to have any pain at all. Mm. And it doesn't know anymore. Um, and there's a name for what this is and I, I can't remember what it is. Um, but it, I do have very low levels of pain, but they don't require painkillers and they don't impede my lifestyle in any way anymore. And, um, I, I, so the, the extra sort of, so the Pilates I do and, and, uh, climbing do help sort of stretch the mus- muscles and and manage all of that. Um, and I think the in terms of the pain, I've seen a, like a very gentle decline mm-hmm. in the baseline over over the last two years. So uh, the, the pain went down uh, faster in the big, sort of in the middle when I was getting better, and I was also further away from the actual date of injury. And then it tapered out and kind of plateaued. And I think I think it's going down still. I don't know. Um, I I did lose. Um, so th- I I've I've basically walked away without any consequences, but besides sort of uh, chronic pain, uh, except for I've I've less, lost sensation in my uh, in my big toes. Um, so I've I've no like topical sensation in in my in my toes, and. Uh, Occasionally, I'll get really sharp, sharp pain in my in my feet, in my in my toes right. specifically. And uh, I have a friend who's a doctor, and he said it's possible that either it's sort of ghost pain and it's nerve misfiring. In recent in re- in recent sort of years, there's been research that has shown that sometimes over time, the neurons that do that form the nerves can sort of uh, build new pathways again. And you can regain some sensation, and so the, the the appearance of this pain in my feet has has made me like think maybe there's still stuff going on in in, in my body that I'm not actively aware of, and it is getting better still. Yeah, at least that's what I hope. <laughs> um, but it's uh, definitely it. I think that I've I've come a back a lot further than I thought I would because I was told I, I would never run again, and I have run. I I'm virtually pain pain free, and I mean it. It was really on on the the prognosis was so negative, and just it it, it was. They I guess they were trying to keep my to sort of they were trying to, to to let me know that this was a very serious thing that had happened that I should expect things to get better too quickly. But I also think that because I uh, I adhered so strictly to the physio exercises and to the Pilates and I put so much effort daily into recovery. Um, it, it did have a a better outcome than was expected. Um, certainly, um, 
they they were surprised by how well I was doing and how well I was sort of coming back from from all this. And I certainly never thought I would be able to run again. I mean, really have an active lifestyle again. And and I can, I do. <laughs> wow. Well, congratulations on the diligent work and being able to have an active lifestyle. I know that now you're not going to ever take it for granted. Um, <laughs> you know, it. I just, I don't know. I just didn't know this world existed even just a few years ago. So, you know, when you're thrown into this world, it's almost like when, you know, life just happens, you, you realize lots of other people are going through it and you just didn't know that it was even happening because it just was so off your radar. Yeah. Um, but now it's, it's very encouraging. Sorry, my dog is sleeping at my feet and she dreams <laughs> whimpering in her sleep, but, uh, hopefully you don't hear that, <laughs> but, um, no, I, I didn't. No, she, it's cute. It's cute. But if you hear a little the chirping like a bird, it's her. Oh, <laughs> that's adorable. But, uh, yeah, she's a sweetheart. No, this is just, it's very encouraging. I just think a lot of people are going through this, especially as they age, yeah. but not always kind of like us, you know, it's early to mid 20 or before your 20s in your case. And life is just different from that point on. It's one of those moments, those pivotal moments in life where things are different now. And um, it applies with any major change in life, whether that's emotional, physical, uh, mental, even, um, you know, relationally, it's, it all applies. This can develop you further as a human and somehow bring a positive impact. And absolutely. I'm definitely glad that, that you're, you're in such a good mindset. Yeah. And, and like, if I think back to, to what my Pilates instructor said to me today, I don't think I would go back and change it. it. It's, I definitely, definitely don't ever want to experience anything near it ever again, but I don't think I would go back and change it because I've discovered so much. And like, it's exactly what you were saying earlier. It, you just realize that you actually do have to take care of yourself. And it it doesn't mean you have to sort of you know, eat nothing but organic food every single day of your life. It, it, it's, it's more about just take, yeah, like being mindful about yourself and take, yeah, taking care. <laughs> taking care, um, yeah. Enjoying yeah, life, and, but, you know, having things with, with, with balance, having good balance. It, exactly. And um, I, I don't know, it's, like, it's not like I'm a qualified doctor or physio or anything <laughs> and I tell people how to magically fix their back injuries, but it's just, for me, it was so helpful to know that there were people around me that, that just knew that just the sharing of that knowledge of not having to explain with words what you're going through and just knowing that out there, there's someone you can reach out to and you can, they'll just be like, yeah, man, I know. And you know that they know is, is that's, that's, there's a lot to be said for that. Yeah. You're, you're never alone whatever you're going through. Yeah. That is huge for me to know that, oh, there's other people in my exact same shoes feeling the same way. The universe is cruel to lots of us. (laughs) It gives us opportunity to grow. Yeah. It's just the, the cards you get out of the pile. And sometimes they're not, not full houses, you know, (laughs) it's, it's just sometimes you've, you've got unpleasant times and you just get through it and uh, hope that they don't come back again. <laughs> yeah. Or if they we do live in an age that, you know, your, your story is possible because, you know, 200 years ago, it had been a very different story. Yeah. And even 20 years ago, I almost certainly would have been operated on and the mm. success rates of those types of operations are not good. Oh, um, <laughs> And, uh, the, for herniated discs, yeah, like 20 years ago or 10, 20 years ago, they would, uh, just, uh, take the discs out and put, um, basically plastic ones in. And for some people, this was, this was great and it worked really well. And for a lot of people it didn't. And, uh, because if the nerve damage is there, it's there. And then the problem is also just the success rate of such an operation is about 50, 50, or at least it's what it was when they proposed it to my dad. Um, and he was like, I don't think so. I think I'll wait it out. <laughs> Jeez. Um, 
Yeah, and and when it's uh, you, when it's uh, your lower back, it I mean it's paraplegia on a good day, and it's just I don't know that doesn't sound good at all. And uh, I I managed to get through it with physiotherapy, and and I mean to be honest, a a lot of opiates, but I mean I'll take that over open surgery. <laughs> Man, I, I I just appreciate you coming on and talking about it. Um... And you know, no one, no one on this show has ever qualified, hardly ever, to you know, they're not, they don't have degrees in what we're talking about in their adventures. You know, I, I certainly don't have any sort of communications qualifications or, or <laughs> podcasting anything. It's just a microphone and a laptop. So, you know, it's it's there's the common wisdom that's shared with everyone that we all just kind of feed off of each other and understand each other, but. uh um, you, you're, you're nothing you've said is a prescription or anything. So everything you've said has been positive and, and just wonderful for people to hear who are going through something like this. So thank you. Thanks. No, thank you. I mean, the podcast has been fantastic for me. I discovered it about two years into my recovery and, uh, I was just like, Oh, this is amazing. And I, I think, uh, I must've listened to a few episodes and then I came across one where it was some kind of para-athlete who'd done something insane like crossing the states on a bike or something and um I, something like that and I was just like this is incredible and uh it just really motivated me and and it was I, yeah I just really really love the podcast and I don't know it's a it's a fantastic thing you're doing just sharing the stories and it's so positive thank you so much I mean we 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 love to do it and there you know keep listening cuz we have a few already in the queue that are awesome coming up with just stories you wouldn't believe and it's just unbelievable to hear what kind of like you what daily life is like and how how far your dreams see a, seem how far away they seem at times and then <laughs> you work your way back to them in a in a new and unique and, and different way of course but it's not the end of the world no, and I think important. that's that's the important message is that it may seem like the end of the road when you're when you're you've had this injury and and things are horrible, but and it's easy to look at people who are years down the line and be like, well, they like they're out of it now, but I mean the road is really long, and it's important to just plot along it. I think and not stop, just keep going. <laughs> you, it's, you just got to keep going. That's all yeah. you can do. You cannot stop. <laughs> even yeah. if it's slow, you just got to Even be if it's slow, I was slow. <laughs> yeah. But look where, you know, Kurt, uh, he, he used to host the show a lot. You probably listen to him a lot. He always tells me something because we're, we're good friends. Um, he's always says, uh, 15 minutes a day can move mountains. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, 15 minutes is nothing each day. But if I did something once every day for 15 minutes, I could... You can change the world with 15 minutes a day. You can change your world. That's so true. That's a really that's a really good sort of mantra to have. Yeah, I think it, and it, and it was because it, we were tackling some big project with the show, and he's just like, I don't have much time, but I can devote 15 minutes. And honestly, the momentum of just about just all kinds of things you can imagine have been built on those small increments day after day. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're 20 minute stretches, you know, that's, you know, that's 20 minutes, but still it's not very much time, <laughs> but it's 20 minutes and, and it, it allows me to walk around. That's unreal. And, <laughs> and it, but it's 20 minutes every day for years, yeah. but you just, it's just got to become part of your day. It's like people, you know, you have a cup of coffee. I have tea in the morning, but I do my stretches as well. It's like, I have tea. I do my stretches. I get wow. going. Yeah. It's just, it's just part of life. That is fantastic. Well, Astrid, I am, I am about to run out of time. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk. Well, th thank you for letting me. <laughs> yeah, and have a great day and keep up the great work. Thank you. You too. All right. All right. See ya. See you. All right. Bye. Bye. First of all, thank you so much for listening to the episode. Uh, secondly, if you would like to get in touch, you can leave us a voicemail at 812-MAIL-POD. You can also send us an email, info at adventuresportspodcast.com. Get a hold of us on Facebook, Instagram. 
contact us on the website. Like, there's just a thousand ways to do it. If you know somebody that would make a good guest for the show, whether they're whether it's you or somebody you know with a really cool story or background or does an interesting sport, get in touch. We'd love to have them on. Also, if you'd like to be a patron, aka a supporter of the show, Patreon.com/slash/AdventureSportsPodcast. You can sign up for as little as a buck a month. You can sign up for five bucks a month. And lastly, thank you to our sponsors whose messages follow right now. If you want to save 20% off the best backpacking food on planet Earth, go to peakrefuel.com and at checkout, use the code ASP20. So after all of this outdoor talk, if you're looking to plan your own getaway, head to backpacktribe.com and get ready for your next adventure. They have customized gear bundles and free shipping, and they'll be able to get you ready for any adventure that you want to tackle. Check them out, backpacktribe.com.